This is the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. This is Season 7, and every week during this season, we'll bring you content about making disciples. Discipleship.org brings together like-minded organizations who are focused on making disciples. Our goal is to help you become a Jesus-style disciple maker, and this podcast aims at doing just that. Before we get into today's session, I want you to know about an ebook called Multiplying Disciples by Winfield Bevins, which discipleship.org released in partnership with Exponential. Multiplying Disciples draws wisdom from church history by looking at several important disciple-making movements, the Celtic movement, the Moravian movement, and the Methodist movement. These movements offer vital contributions to the church that can help you Rediscover the power of making and multiplying disciples of Jesus Christ in the 21st century. Author Winfield Bevins is the director of church planting at Asbury Theological Seminary. Download his ebook, Multiply Disciples, at discipleship.org/ebooks, or click on the link of the show notes for this episode. Today's featured episode is from Exponential, called "Together: Pursuing the Great Collaboration for Your City." featuring Dave and Sidney Clayton. All right. I want to welcome everybody. My name is Todd Wilson. I'm one of the founders of Exponential. Uh, we exist to champion multiplication, church multiplication. Uh, we use a three-dimensional model of multiplication, disciple-making at the core, mobilization after that, and then how to build healthy church to do both the disciple-making and mobilization parts. Um, I tell you that simply to say, uh, within the extended Exponential family, Dave and Sidney Clayton, Ethos Church here in Nashville, um, we can't find many churches doing it better than them on the disciple-making at the core, mobilization, and then building healthy church around doing those things. So I am really privileged to call these guys friends and uh, glad that you're here to talk with us. So welcome. Thank you. Awesome. Good morning. I want to pray uh, over us as we get started, and uh, I'm excited. I don't know. I don't know where you came from. I don't know how you ended up here today in this exponential track and all of the things that God's doing. But we were praying just a few minutes ago, and uh, our heart is is that God would not just use this week, but you know this moment to to maybe stir some things in you practically in the context that God's given you. And so uh, this morning we're going to talk about uh, this upcoming theme for Expo uh, 2020, which is the theme of the Great Collaboration. In other words, what does it look like to to really think beyond just the, the church or the ministry or the place that God has put us. What does, it be, what does it actually look like to begin thinking from a kingdom perspective in some really practical ways? And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Let me pray for us, and, uh, and we'll, we'll jump in together uh, this morning. Father, we love you. I just thank you so much for these leaders. Thank you for just the gracious, gracious uh, folks here at Brentwood Baptist that would let us use their space. Um, God, I just pray that there be just a, uh, a multiplied blessing on their church, uh, just for their generosity here, and um, that their people would feel it even if they don't understand it. And God, you do something here. Thank you for them. Um, thank you for the Expo team. Thank you for these leaders. Thank you for their churches, their ministries. Um, God, whether they come in tired or energized, whether they um, feel full of ideas or they can't figure out what's next, um, God, would you just be there? their encouragement, their comfort, their source of joy? Would you send them home uh, later today or tomorrow with just clarity on, hey, here's that next thing for me to do? 
um, with you, Jesus. God, thank you for them. We love them. God, we know you love them. Thank you for giving us a chance to serve them today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we're going to start by just kind of giving you a quick uh, paradigm uh, for what we're going to talk about this morning. And I just kind of give you these three circles. And so, you know, a lot of times when people uh, talk about, you know, kind of the work of Jesus, we tend to think about it typically through two contexts. We think about it through the context of the great commandment, right? And so I'm not going to quiz anybody. I'm hoping all of you know uh, the great commandment. Um, But the whole idea is built around love, right? And so he says, hey, this is this is what matters most to God. That, that you would build an intimate, loving relationship with God. And just nod your heads if, we do, if you're with me. I know it's 9 a.m., right? But um, love for God is, is the great commandment. And then the great commission um, is, is kind of hinging around this word to go, to go and to make as you go, as you go, make disciples of all nations. Um, hopefully uh, you get that one. Shake your head with me if uh, you get that one. I know it's 9 o'clock. Okay. So a lot of times in our church context, we tend to think about these two kind of commands from Jesus. You know, what does it look like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And what does it look like to make disciples in all of the spheres where you already live, work, and play? And so really important, really matters. Um, But it's this third space that a lot of times we don't tend to think about, and it's the focus of Expo uh, 2020. And it's this idea of the great collaboration, or it's really focused around this word together. You know, I love the moment in John 17, verse 21, where Jesus is praying. And, you know, we all know that prayer, but the reality is it's easy to know a prayer and pray a prayer, but never experience the prayer. And, uh, and, and Jesus is praying and he says, hey, here's the longing of my heart is that they would be together, that they would be unified. And I love the way he ends that in verse 21. He says, why? So that the world will know that what? You sent me. So that the world will know that you sent me. And this is what's crazy to me is our unity points to Jesus' validity. Um, that's a crazy thought, at least in the eyes of the world. That when we're together, there's something about our togetherness as the people of God that opens the eyes of an unbelieving world to go, wow, maybe he really is the Son of God which is crazy to think that something as simple as unity could do something so significant in the work of God in the places around us. And you know, what's challenging is something so simple doesn't always feel that simple, right? And so we laugh, we go, okay, let's love, let's go. And then it's this whole idea of doing it together that sometimes really um, gets challenging. So this, this morning, kind of what we're going to do is share a bit of our story, kind of how we've seen these things play out, and then ultimately what we want to do is give you a handle, hopefully a really tangible handle, for how you can go back in your context, whether you lead a church or serve a small group or work in a ministry or your lay leader, whatever it is that God has entrusted you with, give you a simple tool that will help you in your context go back and start living into the great collaboration. So that's what we're going to try to do. You know, we found that when God calls you, He provides you know, in ways that you, in your own ignorance, you could never even do for yourself. And so he's gracious in that way. And so as we tell a little bit of our story, please keep in mind, <clears throat> we're not this uh, this great, awesome foresight of, we knew this was coming. It was, oh God, thanks for doing this in our life. And I, we caught up on the on the back end of it. No, it was all strategy. <laughs> but kind of that love going together, we kind of stumbled into that from the beginning, not really even being able to give that the vocabulary always, especially the together part. But in the beginning, really, 
our mission as a church starting 11 years ago was love God, love people, and awaken a movement. And what that looked like with the love piece is we tried to really love God well, honor him well, and put him in a place of holiness through our worship. So even teaching and worship setting that, that we would honor and love God well. And God, in his sweet knowledge, um, 11 years ago, was really right on the cusp in the boom of Nashville becoming what it is now, right? And he gave us a space to meet called the Cannery in downtown Nashville, right off of 8th Avenue. And it literally was across the railroad tracks from the first high-rise condominium that really started, the Icon down in the Gulch. For those of you Nashvillians, it, was, it had just been built. And then we get placed in the cannery to meet. And across the street from the cannery, on the other side, is Room in the Inn, a massive homeless ministry. And down the block from that is the Mission, a huge homeless ministry. So he literally put us in between the homeless and the high-rise loft living, right? You talk about contrast, and he put us right in the middle. So that was not of our strategy and our great devise. It was God's kindness that he would put us somewhere where we could go in his name, right? And what we stumbled across is really that together piece. And what we've seen is he was gracious. You know, we were at a wonderful church, and when God called us each independently and together in our marriage to go plant a church, he had us in a sweet church that we were just consuming in. And we said, we've got to talk to the elders. We've got to tell them what God's putting on our heart. And as we sat in the elders' meeting, they go, God put you on our hearts six weeks ago for you to do something in downtown Nashville. You've got to do it. So our church family said, we're with you. We want to support you. Let's do this together, right? It wasn't animosity, frustration. It was, let's do this together. So it was God's grace for us. And we've gotten to walk that out. Even to this day, that's like, that's our home church. We love that church very deeply. And the other piece I've seen that David never say for himself, but I've watched him from day one, 11 years ago, reach across church invisible lines. And he would reach out to other pastors, especially people that came new into the city 10 and 11 years ago, when that wasn't the common place, he would just go have coffee with them and say, hey, you're new to the city. How can I help you? How can I bless you? Who can I connect you with? What can I do to do this together? And so really starting that 10 years ago of saying, how do we do this together? And what we've seen is over the past few years, God's really just taken that and accelerated that aspect of togetherness. Yeah, so, you know, this, this convergence of love and of going on mission and of doing this together, um, it started growing slowly in those early days. And then about four or five years ago, God began to really accelerate it through a variety of things. And so I'll just kind of give you three ways he began to grow this in us. The first is through the context of experience. And so uh, I'm convinced that one of the ways that churches become more collaborative is God so often will disrupt our experiences. He'll disrupt our norms. He'll put us in environments that we didn't imagine. And so about four years ago, God started calling our family into a lot of global work. And one of the first places we found ourselves doing work for a season was in Kenya. And I remember sitting in this room in Kenya, in Nairobi, Kenya, with some of the most phenomenal leaders I've ever been around in my life from 10 different nations. They'd all gathered there in Kenya. They were strategizing together. And I learned so much in that room, but I remember sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, I cannot imagine the churches in our city ever working together with this sort of unity and humility. I thought these leaders are better than any of the leaders that I run with, and these guys are walking in such a level of unprecedented humility. It's like, God, this is amazing. And so there's this experience you know, uh, that, that we, we had of being in an environment where we saw collaboration, where we saw togetherness that began opening our eyes. So the first thing was experience. The second thing was theology. 
And I say experience first. I know I'm a Bible teacher, so I'm supposed to say theology, but it actually started with us with experience. God disrupted our experiences, and then it changed the way we started reading the Scriptures because what happened was I realized for most of my life I'd read 1 Corinthians 12, 12, talking about there's one body with many parts, and I always read that verse through the lens of our small local church. Oh, there's one body, and we've got all of the parts in this body. But I'm convinced that that's not actually a very good way to read that scripture. Um, I actually believe that not only are the individuals in your church built with a level of divine insufficiency. We could talk about that for a long time. In other words, every one of us in this room, we have gifts and strengths, and we also have weaknesses, right? You realize that some of your weaknesses are actually divinely put there. Why? Because if you had all of the gifts, you would never need anyone else, and you would do it all on your own. You're built with some divine insufficiencies, right? And so are your churches. The churches that you serve, the ministries that we serve, they're Jesus' church. Like, so the, the churches that we serve, in and of themselves, I'm convinced, will never have everything they need to have in order to express the fullness of Jesus on their own. Why? Why? Because he wants us to come together. And so part of it was experience the other part of it was theology where all of a sudden we started going okay oh my goodness we don't just need churches within our denomination to play together or churches within our city we need churches across the cities and across the nation and across the nations the american church needs the african church and the african church needs the indian church and the indian church needs uh, the european church and so on and so forth like the churches of the world need each other why because it's the way you see the body it's the way you see the body And so our experience led into our longing for collaboration. Our theology began to lead into our longing for collaboration. And then on the practical nature, God began giving us a vision that depended on collaboration. We started really thinking about, okay, if the mission of God, it's his mission, is to fill every nook and cranny of planet Earth with the glory of God. There is no way our little church can do that. Like, we can't do that. Like, you know, I always tell people, if, if you are living into a big enough vision, collaboration will not just become this necessity, it will become a longing. We've got to have it. We've got to do it. We need it. It's the only way. Can you imagine, like, if you were in World War II and you're there, like, in the trenches and help shows up and you're like, now we got this? (laughs) See, we forget we're in a battle. Forget we're in a battle. I'm like, man, if a church planner shows up on your block, man, you should buy them dinner, hang out with them, thank them, and help them launch well. Mm -hmm. Because have you seen what's going on in the culture? You need their help. You can't afford to run them off. If another church down the street, 50 years old, just starts killing it, and all of a sudden their young adults ministry is growing, your goal is not to start a better young adults ministry. Maybe that's the part of the body that they've been given, you know. Maybe God's called you to do something else. Can you imagine what would happen if we quit living with this spirit of competition, but we start, started living in a space of actual collaboration? And so God began giving us this vision um, uh, you know, 11 years ago, that's just accelerated and unfolded. And one of the things uh, that we've seen happen here in the past year has just been amazing the way that God has begun to bring churches together here in the city um, in really, really remarkable ways. And so, uh, you know, 
uh, one of the heartbeats of our church family is we tithe our year in prayer and fasting. And uh, we'll actually talk about that in another session later today, so I'm not going to spend much time on that. But we spend more than 10% of our church's corporate year praying and fasting communally together um, because we believe it's just fundamental. It's not a part of disciple-making. It precedes disciple-making movements. It's what breaks the ground for God to do great things. And so that's another class that will be at 10. But um, kind of through that, over the last couple of years, one day we were in this season of prayer and fasting, and we felt like God was calling our church family— to pray for every person in the city of Nashville by name, pray and fast for them for 30 days, write them a handwritten note, let them know how loved they are by Jesus. And, and we started thinking about just the task of what would it look like to raise up a strategic intercessor for 1.8 million people. And we thought, man, we can't do that. Like, we can't do that on our own. And, and, and the Lord, just by the power of the Holy Spirit, spoke very clearly to our hearts. He said, I didn't tell you to do it. I told you to rally the troops, and you guys do it together. And so this, this invitation into greater collaboration, it just came right out of God's heart to, to ours. And so this past year, I remember we said, hey, we're going to get churches together. We're going to pray and fast together. You know, Americans don't like to pray and fast. If you don't know that, that's, that's not like a big seller. You know, like, um, hey, can you get people to give up food for a month to pray for strangers? Um, but, uh, you know, we felt like God had called us to do that. And so we, we thought, man, here's the dream. Could we get 40 churches to do this? That was our dream. Could we get 40 churches to collaborate together? And I remember telling people that, and everybody we'd sit down with, they'd go, that's nuts. That's nuts. 40 churches are not going to do that. I'm going to interject real quick. But if you hear what he said, he said we felt that God was calling us to give the invitation. So in our act of obedience, what were we responsible for? The invitation. Were we responsible for managing the outcome and the numbers? That's something that can be paralyzing, is you need to step in the obedience that God has given you in the invitation, but he's not asking you to manage the outcome. Yeah, that's so good. And, and, and that's actually really freeing in the context of collaboration. Because, you know, uh, well, we do this monthly pastor's prayer meeting, and I invite hundreds of pastors every month. And I'm just telling you, hundreds of pastors don't show up every month. And... And there's just, this, there's just this simplicity of, hey, let's just do what God's asked us to do, right? And so, so we extend the invitation over the course of a couple of months. And in the spring, we had 418 churches here in the city pray and fast with us. A hundred of them, English is not their first language from every denomination, big churches, small churches, cool churches, not as cool churches, you know, like um, all sorts of churches came together and prayed and fasted for the city. And on the, on the outside of that, like, Guys, we're seeing God doing things between leaders in the city right now. I'm just telling you, we have friends that have been serving the city for 60, 70 years. And uh, I was with one of them recently, and he said, Dave, in all of my years of ministry, I've never seen the body come together like this, mm-hmm. like we're having right now. He's like, God is doing something unprecedented. And here's, here's just a little freebie for you. Of course, it's all free, but um, um, I love that moment. You know, the Valley of Dry Bones, remember that vision in Ezekiel? Um, what happens before the spirit fills the body? The body comes together. The bones touch. Things begin to come together. And I'm convinced that it's, it's the way, like, it's the way that the spirit works, that it's what happened in the Garden of Eden. God formed them, then he filled them. It's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They came together, then he filled them. I'm convinced that the outworking, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your community is not just built around you loving and you going, but you choosing to do that together with the body of Jesus there in the city that God has put you. Does that make sense? 
And when that begins to happen, things happen really um, uh, beyond our scope of imagination. And so we kind of want to land the plane in this conversation by looking at two things. Okay, you know, theologically, great, we're all there together and this should be good. And, and hopefully in your heart you're going, man, it's amazing, we should do it. But how do you actually get there? Like in a world that is so divided, um, uh, in churches that are so divided, how do you actually move towards togetherness? How do you move towards kingdom collaboration in the city? And so we want to talk through the two lens. We're going to talk through the pathway. Like what's the pathway of collaboration? How does it work from the inside out? And then we're going to talk through the process of collaboration and maybe give you a couple of simple handles for your ministry. So in this pathway of collaboration, it's not something we've got figured out, but it's something that's kind of evolved for us and hopefully just give you guys a little freebie of, hey, hopefully this will help you move forward and move along. And really the pathway of collaboration starts with God and you independently. So the pathway starts with God. And isn't it true that our God is a God of collaboration? Let's think back to creation, right? With Adam, God created the animals, but he invited Adam in to name them. Did he have to do that? He could have had little name tags on each animal, right? He didn't have to invite him in, but he said, I want you to do this with me, right? The Trinity. Isn't the Trinity just the heartbeat of collaboration? Three and one, right? You look at Noah. Couldn't he have just plucked up Noah and his family, set him on an island, and say, hey, we'll wipe out everybody else, but you guys just chill on this island. But what did he do? He invited him in in a process where he was molding him and shaping him, that he would be ridiculed, right, that he would faith that when he'd never seen rain before, that he would be prepared for when it came. Right? So he brought him into collaboration or to grow him in faith towards God. Right? What about collaboration with Jesus? Jesus could have just had, God could have had Jesus just appear, right? But instead he said, I'm going to have you be son of man. And he didn't just have him be born, but he brought Mary in on it, had an angel appear to her, that collaboration with Mary. And did he leave Joseph out? No, he brought Joseph in and through his dreams talked to Joseph. Right, And he said, hey, I want you to come in and I want you to steward my son and raise him in a family. So our God is a God of collaboration that pulls us in because he's kind and gracious in it. Right. So what we found is in our time that we've had to get away and collaborate with God. And what that looks like is coming and humbling ourselves before God and say, God, what is your vision? What is your vision? What do you want to do? Not what I want to do and drag you along. What do you want to do, God? And then will you show me what role you want me to have in that? That's collaboration with the Lord. And so we've seen it starts with God and the independent person. And then it flows naturally into family. Practically what that's looked like for Dave and I is that once to twice a year, we try to get away on what we call a spiritual retreat. And it's looked different. Um, This past July, it looked like 24 hours at an Airbnb, 40 minutes from our house, because that's what we had in that season. And it's okay. Other times it's looked like three days away and we've been at a conference together and we're learning and we're gleaning. It's what we we have in capacity to do. And so it looks like us getting away and independently worshiping the Lord, like seeking him, asking God, what do you have for our family this season? What do you have for us independently? And what we've seen is when we each do that independently, that God blesses us in a vision that comes together in unity because even marriage is collaboration, right? And what's really sweet is we've realized he'll give me part of the vision, he'll give Dave part of the vision, but we can't see his full vision for us until we come together. Because two become one, right? Let's one flesh. Let's come back to that area of divine insufficiency, right? So if he gives me all of the vision, I can run on without her. If he gives her all of the vision, she can run on without me. But if he gives part of the vision to her and part to me, all of a sudden we got to do this like this, right? 
It's not just for those. I know it's a sweet moment. You can, you can Instagram that. But, um, you know, it's, it, it, and this isn't just in the context of, you know, relationship like this. It's spiritual family. It's, it's, how, God, it's how God does this. And this trickles from our marriage into we have three boys. This trickles into, okay, now it shapes God's vision. Our role shapes how we disciple our boys as well. It changes how we disciple the people around us and our spiritual family. It changes how we disciple our leaders, where we're leading them and where we're training them and where we're going because it's God's vision, our role, and rallying together. It's a collaboration. Yeah, and it just keeps, it just keeps going out from there. You just think this rock of collaboration, when it hits the water of God's goodness, you know, it, it comes down and all of a sudden the ripple effects just go out. It's you and God, and then it's you and God and your family are now roped into this collaborative circle. And then it's you and God and the leaders around you in your ministry. And then it flows into your larger church family. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to kind of move through this quickly. It'll go from your church family. It'll go into churches, you know, your networks. And then it goes into city. And then I believe it goes into cities and cities and nations and nations. And um, what, what, what I'm hoping you're seeing here as we think about the, the pathway of collaboration this is just the way that it works in the kingdom of God, is that it almost always starts in the small, private, hidden places and flows outward. We as Americans, we tend to have ideas when we want to start out there. <laughs> but like the way the kingdom of God, it just starts in here. That we multiply who we are, not who we want to be, right? Like, you know... Sydney and I have kids that look like us, you know, whether we want to, we could wish that they'd be six foot nine and just, you know, amazing basketball players, not going to happen. You know, like you multiply people that look like you. The same is true in the context of discipleship. And here's the reality is if you're not collaborating with God and if you're not collaborating with your family and if you're not collaborating with your leaders and if that's not flowing down into your church, then your church will very rarely become a collaborative church with the churches around you. And we've just seen the way that this is this works in our context is we don't ever want to export something into the larger body of Christ that has not been worked out in the smaller places of our lives. We don't ever want to export something out to the larger body of Christ that hasn't been worked out. And so what I mean by that is just take this one example of us getting churches together to pray and fast. You know, that's something we've been doing for four years as a church family. And so we didn't, like, come up with this idea and beg God to bless it. And then, hey, guys, we should all try this. It's, it's something that started between us and God and then us and a small group. Of, I remember Joshua. He's one of our leaders. I remember Joshua coming over in a season before anybody else in our church was praying and fasting with us. He'd come over and pray through the night with us. And just in those small places, you know, just, just how, do, how do we work this thing out? How, how do we do this? And what we've seen is when God does it this way, it tends to flow. What happened in those small places and flowed into our church, flowed into churches, and now it's actually crossing cities and nations. There's six different cities right now that are doing what happened in February, um, that we've gotten help. Just, here, God, let's just do this. It's just the way collaboration works. And so this is the, this is kind of the pathway from the inside out. But we want to end by just giving you... Um, just a picture of what that process looks like. So how, how do you go from where you are to, to maybe where it is that God's inviting you to go when it comes in the process of collaboration? And so we use this chart. This has been very important for us, and uh, Sid's going to write it up there. Um, on the top 
On the top line right here, you see time. And on this other line here, you'll see the word commitment. Time and commitment. And, and here's, here's what we believe is that kingdom collaboration, you know, apart from all the other stuff that we've talked about, you know, the spirit of God and the work of God and the word of God and the, the ways of God, all those things. Apart from all of that, what is it going to take for you and your leaders and your church to become collaborative people in the kingdom of God? I think when you get it all the way down to the, the base level, it takes time and it takes commitment. Commitment to all sorts of things. We'll talk about that. So um, the first step of collaboration is connection. Connection. This sounds so simple. Like, where does, where does collaboration begin? It, it begins in this place of connection. Here's what I want you to notice. It's what Sydney referred to earlier. Connection doesn't require much time, and it doesn't require much commitment. But it's where collaboration almost always starts. You know, it, connection is as simple as Hey, we're going to get to know the other pastors in our city. I'm going to have them over to our house. We're going to drink coffee together. I'm going to start praying for their kids. This sounds so crazy. I'll just give you one little nugget here. If you want to see connection go to the next level, every time you sit down with another pastor, before you ask them anything about their ministry, ask them about their family. And write down the names of their family, and you commit to praying for their family, and watch what God will do between your churches. That's just a little life hack for you. I'm telling you, God will do amazing things. You just, you just start praying. Uh, man, God has begun connecting pastors in our city just because I'm like, oh, man, I'm praying for his daughter. She's having treatment this week, and she, she's sick, and so we're texting each other. Do you know how much further that goes in bonding your hearts together than going, hey, what's our next strategy over at Edge Hill? Like, <laughs> it's like... Man, God just knits our hearts together, right? And so it starts in this place of connection. And we've got to understand that connection in our world, um, there's all sorts of levels. Um, And this can be on social media. This can be via email. This can be text. This can be a phone call. This can be a variety of things. All of it's valuable. It's where it begins. Low time, low commitment. The next place is is cooperation. Cooperation. And this is where you go beyond just knowing somebody to you come alongside and you help somebody. And I say you help somebody because here's the reality is a lot of us want people to cooperate with us, but we're not willing to cooperate with anybody else. And I go, until your church is eager and willing to give time and resource and energy and people to things that don't have your name on it, you cannot become a collaborative person. Does that make sense? Have you ever noticed that when your church is in charge of the initiative, it gets a lot of attention? When somebody else is in charge of it, it's like the third line on the ninth page of the bulletin, and, and it's, like, it's like just back there somewhere. And I go, like, one of the ways that you build kingdom togetherness is you move from connection to this place of cooperation where you come alongside somebody else's dream, somebody else's vision, somebody else's project, and you give your best time, attention, effort, and energy to seeing the kingdom break in there. I remember years ago meeting this amazing man here in our city. He had been uh, a really high-level leader um, in the McDonald's Corporation, and God had just called him to start loving on uh, kids without uh, dads in the inner city. And so he leaves so many things behind, and he, he leans into that. And it's just this amazing moment. And... Uh, he comes up with this ministry, and he didn't have anybody to help him. And I remember he just started showing up at our church and saying, hey, can you guys just come help me? And we'd show up and serve with him in, in a variety of ways. And our church wasn't getting any credit for it. 
It's taking a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of energy. Sometimes he would do things. I'm just going to name the elephant in the room. What happens when you call your people to be a part of something and you show up and the thing that they're a part of is kind of weird? Have you ever had that happen before? Like, you know, it's like, hey, we're going to go do something with another church. And you show up and it's like, ooh, that went a bit odd. Like, this is strange. We're never going to do anything with anybody again. That's kind of how you feel. Um, but there's a place of cooperation where you go, hey, I'm going to serve, I'm going to serve your vision. I'm going to serve the thing God has put in your heart. And then it comes to this third space. And the third space is collaboration. And here's what I want you to notice. As you move down, as you move down the line, it takes more time and it takes more what? Help me out. It takes more time and more commitment. commitment. It takes more time and it takes more commitment. And so, you know, cooperation is about you helping somebody else carry their dream. Collaboration is where all of a sudden you say, hey, let's carry a dream together. Let's carry something together. It's not just your dream that I'm helping with. It's not just my dream that I'm begging you to help me with. It's like, hey, this is our dream in the kingdom of God here in the city. God, would you help us? Would you help us carry this? And guys, I'm just going to tell you, to get to the space of collaboration, oh my goodness, this is so complex. It's hard to collaborate in your own churches. Have you noticed how hard it is to get your leaders to collaborate? Like, yeah, you're like, no, no idea. Like, um, I mean, it, you feel this every year when it comes to budgeting, right? It's like, man, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, it's so hard. It's so hard to, to do this in your own church. Do you know how hard this gets when you're cutting across theological lines and racial lines and political lines and whatever other line? I don't know if you've noticed, we've got a lot of lines these days, like, in our culture. And so this idea of collaboration, oh, my goodness. It's so hard. It takes so much time. And I'm just telling you, as high-capacity leaders, what do you feel like you don't have any of time? What if I told you you had to take the next three years of coffee conversations and helping other people out before you could do anything collaboratively? Would you do it? But what if you really believed it was a command of Jesus and it was the only way that the kingdom of heaven really came to earth? Would you do it? See, the reality is a lot of us have treated collaboration like a nicety. But in the kingdom of God, it's a necessity. It's a necessity for obedience, and it's a necessity to advance the work of God. It takes time. It takes commitment. That commitment is going to look like sitting down and at times you surrendering to a piece of the vision that you just don't like as much as if you came up with it. Sometimes that commitment is going to look like you being the first to repent when you guys don't communicate well, and it's just easier for your church to go the separate ways than it is to stay together. The commitment comes in all shapes, forms, and sizes. Sometimes commitment looks like your church carrying all of the financial load for something, knowing that another church is going to carry maybe the spiritual load or the serving load or whatever it is. Like time and commitment. And another theme of exponential is collaboration. So this is where we should stop. But I actually think there's one other place that's so far down the pike that most of us don't even have the imagination to grasp it. It almost feels like there's this like invisible barrier. Yeah. It almost feels like you can't even get there, and so most of us stop. But it's the place of covenant. It's the place of covenant. It's the place where we're no longer just connected to each other. Yeah, no, no. It's the place where we're no longer just helping out with projects. It's no longer just a place where we're carrying a vision together. It's the place of covenant. And here's what I want you to hear about covenant. Covenant is the place where you say, this is not my church, it's Jesus' church. 
Covenant is the place where you begin to recognize that nobody is going to remember you 100 years from now, most likely, which I know seems depressing, but here's the deal. Your own family is going to forget your name. Like, uh, I can't remember my great-great-grandparents' names, and I probably should. I'm a bad family member. Your own family is going to forget you, so we can spend our whole life trying to, to build a little kingdom that is going to fade away and be yesterday's news at some point, or we can spend all of our time, all of our life, all of our energy investing in and lifting up the one and only name that will never be forgotten, right? And when we do that, all of a sudden we go, covenant becomes possible. Why? Because covenant is, hey, I will stick with you even when you don't stick with me. I'm in this. I'm in this for the city. Even if the city's not in, in it for me. Mike, uh, we're, we're going to do this together. Um, your mission is not just your mission. Your mission is my mission, our mission. Your success is our success, our strength. In this area of covenant, I know for some of you, you feel like that's a great wish list, but I can't imagine that ever happening. And I just want to encourage you in some ways that you may not realize you're already in some covenant relationship spiritually. And I know sometimes people think immediately like marriage Yes, that's one, but I, I'm actually talking ministry. And so when Dave and I first felt convicted about planting a church, God gave us that vision independently. And then on a walk through the neighborhood, we realized, oh, this is a shared vision. So we were aligned around a similar mission, though we may not agree on everything. <clears throat> Always. She is wrong so many times. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know, God went ahead and aligned us around this mission. We saw it on our church planting team. Our launch team, we were all aligned around the same mission, the same vision, and went out from there. Our leadership team, we have two of our leaders right here. On our leadership team, we may see things differently, but we're aligned around the same mission, and that's a different heart going out. So a lot of you already are in that covenantal relationship. We're talking about reaching across lines between churches and collaboration and pulling everybody in the church body collectively into covenant. Yeah, And here's, here's what we believe, and I, I really want you to see this. I think there's this tendency as leaders to go, how do we go from zero to 100, and how do we do that yesterday? <laughs> like, I, I remember, you know, in the early days of our leadership, every time we were trying to do things, a big project, a big initiative, and, and uh, our team would say, okay, when do we need to have this done by? And my, my, my just default posture for the first few years of ministry was just as soon as possible. And that's, yes, I get that. It's just a terrible way to operate in the kingdom. Because we, we worship a God that tends to not only make promises, but sometimes keep them after we die. Why? Because the promise is never confined to the lifespan of the one to whom it was made. How often did God do that to Abraham or Moses or different leaders? Did he make a promise? Oh, yeah, dude, you're for sure not going to see it. <laughs> do you trust me? It's like, well, like, what if the, the biggest things that God is going to do through your life and ministry are actually coming downstream 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years? What if what you're experiencing in your ministry is because of someone else's right. yeah. downflow 100 years ago in prayer and fasting? And so when we think about this, this move, you're going, okay, maybe, maybe you're not there yet. And I just want to tell you, you are not going to go from over here to over here this year, most likely, unless God just does something supernaturally. For you, it, it may be you just make the commitment. I'm just going to give you a couple practical things. For some of you, it may just be once a month for the next year, I'm going to go for a walk with three other pastors in our city and just get to know their story. 
just going to go for a walk. We literally just did that in our city. We called leaders for 21 days to literally go on a walk around their neighborhood with a leader they didn't know. It's just amazing. Hundreds of leaders just walking together. It's like, wow, you know, maybe connection is the place for you to start. Maybe cooperation is the place. Maybe you need to go into your missions team and say, hey, I know we can do that thing on our own. We're a big church. We have a good budget. and Yes, we can do it on our own. Here's the thing that's so upside down to me. Is there a smaller church? who won't be as well organized as we are, that we could come under? Boy, you want to confuse the enemy? <laughs> you you want to mess the enemy up? Watch the big church submit to the smaller church. Man, you do that, watch what heaven will start doing. <laughs> Just telling you, so maybe it's a place of cooperation. Maybe instead of doing your thing, you need to help somebody else do their thing. Maybe it's a place of collaboration. Maybe Maybe you've been meeting and praying with leaders for five years three years, two years, ten years, whatever it is. Maybe God's built those friendships. Maybe you guys have served in some ways. And now you're going, hey, there are some areas that we should tackle together. We should tackle together. And I believe as that happens, you know, we still haven't gotten there. But our dream is that the body of Jesus in Nashville one day will be covenantal. I, I, I want to have a sign-burning party one day. It's true. I'm just, I keep throwing it out there until somebody takes me up on it like I, 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 I want to burn the signs and just replace it with just Jesus's church Jesus's people hey we're in this thing together you know uh, two weeks ago on a Thursday uh, our church meets in a bunch of rented out venues we have week-to-week leases on all of them that's another story for another day but um, one of our venues got um, taken out from under us on a Thursday afternoon kind of last minute we lost it so we had to cancel church and um, and we're doing all sorts of things that day but we had several people that wanted to get baptized, and uh, and we're trying to find out where to baptize them at. So I called one of my buddies, uh, who pastors a mile away, and I said, "Hey, man, can I can I come over and baptize some of our people um, at your church?" And they have a baptistry in their lobby, and uh, he said, "Yeah, that'd be awesome." He said, "But it's not in the lobby this week." He said, "We're actually bringing it up on stage." He said, "Because we're going to do some baptisms." And I said, "Cool, can we we baptize them?" <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, that's awesome." So it was supposed to be after their service. Uh, so we get there and. Our folks showed up uh, early, which was amazing. They never show up to our church services. Really. <laughs> so I'm not sure what happened. It's a miracle. But they showed up early, and now all of a sudden, okay, what are we going to do? And so um, their pastor comes off stage, and he's like, hey, let's do it right now in the service. Like, yeah, let's do that. So we come in and we baptize them right there in the middle of the service. And, 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 and more of his heart, like... He was baptizing his youngest of four children that day. Like his heart was all in in the baptism service. It's like, but he still wanted to embrace. Yeah, and he's bring like, in. like, he's that's like, his heart. he's like, come on in. And here's what was so cool was that feels so silly and small. It just feels so silly and small. Oh, you baptize people at another person's church. It's Jesus's church, but you know the you know the lingo, right? Like, at, in the middle of their service, like a mile away. Guys, if you could have seen the way their church responded to that. Yeah, I mean, literally, you would have thought you would have thought that God, like, had literally. I'm, I'm telling you, people just like cheering and like hugging us and going, "That's the coolest thing we've ever seen." I'm going, how broken does our culture have to be in order for something that small to have such a big impact? But Jesus says, "May they be one." Why? So they will know that you sent me. Unity points to His validity. As the Son of God. So it's not just do we love, it's not just do we go, it's how do we do this 
together. And I believe when we begin doing that with the same intensity that we do everything else, that God's going to show up in ways we can never ask or imagine. And so that's all we've got. Uh, we'd love to end with a little bit of Q&A if you have that, and then we'll wrap this up in plenty of time for you to get to your next thing. And so any questions or thoughts or strong rebukes or anything? <laughs> Sydney will receive the rebukes. I'll take the encouragement. Um, what do you have? Um, what do you do if your own movement is uh, particularly impermeable and kind of insecure in itself? Yes. I can already, like, I've had this on my heart for a few weeks and months, and I've already gotten a lot of pushback, and I'm not that head poo-ball, so <laughs> um, just how do you handle that? Yeah, and you're probably the only person experiencing that in this room. And so I'm sorry for now. Uh, no, we, we all get that on some level. And I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? Yeah, so the question was, what happens if your group, your church, your people, are really closed off to this idea of collaboration, if they're the ones that make it difficult? And what I would say is start really, really small. Start really small. And, and uh, man, it may be tough to move your organization towards this, but you can start moving towards it immediately. And here's what I found is it is contagious and it may take time, but start really small. And so, so maybe your church isn't ready yet to connect with another church, um, but you can connect with another leader at another church and build a genuine friendship. And I'm just telling you, watch what, I'm just curious, how have you guys seen that work in our, in our culture as you guys just put you on the spot? These are friends, Janet and Joshua. Yeah, they're two of our leaders, part of our team. But what have you seen happen in our church and in our culture as we've publicly befriended other leaders? Like, have you seen anything? Yeah, I mean, I've seen as as they've stepped into just genuine friendship, it's not a show, it's not, then other churches want to be a part of it. It's like, oh, what's happening there? I, I want to come to that. I want to be a part of that. And it's not this, I think we're used to almost everything being programmatic. Um, but when it's actual friendship, and they're talking about actual true connection, true collaboration, um, other people see it and also want to be a part of it. And it's been insane what it's done in our city. Just seeing, you know, Dave befriend other pastors, ask about their kids, them going to dinner with other families, and other people want to be a part of that. It's like when you see the Spirit of God moving, you can't deny it. And it's been revolutionary for our city. I can, like, attest everything they're saying is so true. And, and there's something about when it's not programmatic, when it's actually relational, and you come, it, it begins to break down some of those walls of mistrust. And it, it's just, it's crazy what happens when, that's why I said, you know, ask about their family, start praying for their families. Like, man, you, you start doing that. And I do recognize there is a religious spirit. And I, and I believe, um, I, I want to be careful, this is an exponential room, so I'll, I'll leave that to a session that we're leading on our own. Um, there is a religious spirit. You're welcome. Don't worry. There, that, that, there's a religious spirit um, that I do believe is demonic and divisive that that can be at work in our churches and, and can be working us as leaders where we just uh, look at others and go, oh, oh you know, and, and, and so sometimes you're going to have to work against that, and I'm not, I'm not oblivious to that. But I would say start real small. Start with genuine relationship. That pathway. And, and that pathway. Invite others in and, and, and just let God do that, that other work over the long haul. Um, this has been a decade in the making in a lot of ways. And you, you mentioned what comes along with that, the, the patience and the trust and just the invitation. And that's easy to say, just love the invitation. 
don't try to control the outcome until you're working against it for years. But just keep, that's what I've kept watching you do in the inner closet of your life and in the smaller circles is you just keep throwing out invitations and just totally trusting whatever comes back. Like just trusting the Father's provision. Hmm. What are some of the challenges you guys have had to overcome in this process? Yeah. And you know, I'll speak, I don't know what you would say. One of mine is just honestly the pace of life. I think one of the greatest challenges is everybody is so busy. We're busy, and everything we just talked about takes an exceptional amount of time that nobody has. And it's like, and so I think that's the challenge. I think in a world that, in the world we live in, people tend to confuse connection with community. Um, uh, they, They confuse proximity with intimacy. Those things are different. They can lead to one another. But I think that one of the great challenges is this just takes time. It's slow. Like... And there's no way to manufacture it, you know. And so um, I think that's one of the biggest barriers. And so what we tend to do when things are that slow, we try to find shortcuts. And what I have found is shortcuts will never give you the integrity and strength you need to deal with the differences that are going to inevitably come up. So, for instance, how do, we, how do we deal with this theological difference or how do we deal with those things are going to come up? I'm convinced that's not actually the biggest challenge. I think the biggest challenge is we don't have a strong enough relational root system to hold the weight of that question. And so what happens is we don't have enough relationship. The tough question comes, and it's easier to just leave the shallow relationship so I don't have to deal with the question anymore. And so I think that's actually the... Does that make sense? I think that's been the heaviest weight that we felt. I think kind of a side weight is the management in every realm of like wanting to micromanage. Like Dave was saying, like, hey, submit and come underneath someone when you're cooperating, not wanting to manage it, take it over because you could do it better, right? Um, not wanting to manage the way they perceive you or judge you and like what are your motives? What's your angle? What are you really trying to get at? You know, it's like literally nothing, just collaboration. And so fighting to not manage that, right, because that's even one of Satan's greatest tools is to take a good thing and let you look at it at a slightly different angle, right? And just saying, hey, it's not for us to manage, it's not for us to have to deal with or worry. I mess not of the Lord. And so in every realm of management, not managing. And what we found is every time you move from one phase to the next, you come up against all of those barriers again, right? And so like we've, we found this past year when we were moving from this space of cooperation to collaboration that we, co- we start coming up against all of these barriers once again because we're inviting people to do something that's more challenging. And so... You know, we would, we would exhaust ourselves hosting vision meeting after vision meeting after vision meeting, trying to call churches together. But the most exhausting thing was not the vision meeting. It was we knew that at every vision meeting, people would come up afterwards and they'd all want to grab coffee and they'd all want to grab lunch. And the reason they really wanted to do that was to kind of vet us out again. And I'm going, oh, we don't have time for that. We don't have energy for that. You know, but you, know, we, you feel that relational tug every time you move to that next thing together. And so don't be discouraged by that. What are some um, like helpful hints that you found for giving metrics to people who are expecting immediacy in results versus um, just the, the slow process that it takes? Yeah, so, so how do you give metrics in, in a world that loves instant everything? How do you help people embrace the kingdom of slow? <laughs> has, anybody, has anybody figured that one out yet? Like, you know... I, I, it, it's crazy. That's just the, the tension of the world that we live in, right? Like Jesus said, this thing is like mustard seeds and yeast. 
And it's like, oh, I hate that. <laughs> don't you hate that? Like, don't you wish you would have said, this thing is like instant download. It's like, no, that's not the way it works. And so, so part of it, we think it comes in several realms. Um, one, like through teaching, through expectation, um, just constantly, constantly letting people know that this is going to be slower. Um, so it's, it's through teaching. It's through modeling, which means we celebrate we celebrate the small. We celebrate the slow. We, we celebrate it over and over and over, um, even though people only want the big. And I think one of the things that's really key is as leaders, we have to make sure. Uh, I, I'm sure you felt this before. It's so tempting to feel like it's your job to be the hype guy or the hype gal, to rally all, the, all of the troops. It's like, you know, your job is just to be faithful and to point to what God is doing. And sometimes what God is doing is under the surface and small. And so our, our goal is, as we try to keep people informed, is to say, hey, let's not get ourselves in a scenario where we feel tempted to overpromise and underdeliver on things that we can't deliver on anyways. We can't, we can't do that. And so that's the, it's a tension that we live in more than a problem that we solve. And so the tension is, how do we try to accurately name what we see happening without feeling the pressure to make it bigger, quicker, faster? And honestly... Part of the way that we try to do that is we surround ourselves with people. I see Aaron back there. Aaron, can you raise your hand? Aaron's on our team, one of our leaders. And afterwards, when this is over, if you guys have questions, Aaron and Janet and Joshua, um, they they help lead our, our team and church planting and the citywide stuff. And you guys can collaborate with them and talk with them as well. But um, one of the things that's so great, Aaron and I have been running a ministry together for a really long time, but we've been friends for even longer. And God's given us different gifts. And one of the things that helps with our gifts is, is there's times when I'm tempted to get out faster, to get going, to, to, to share the big thing. And, and Aaron will say, hey, let's not share that yet. He's like, let's, let's wait for the seed to punch through the ground before we start talking about it. Like, and there's been so many times where he's like, Dave, I, don't, I know you don't mean it this way. He says, but... He says, you're talking about something that you're seeing in the future and it hasn't quite yet come through. And he's like, you need to wait so you don't look like a liar. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> but but it, you know what I mean? It's just, it, so it's community. It's community. We walk these things out together. And it's part of the way we live in, in that tension. I'm sure I can speak for everybody in here that these are a lot of churches from all over. And to begin what you guys are teaching us today, the connection. How can we pray for you and Sydney and your family uh, from all over? Yeah. For you guys. Thank you. You know, we're we're entering into another season right now where we're pulling the, the city together and kind of beyond the city. Um, we see God doing that. And I think the thing that we've been praying in this season, God gave us a verse recently on a one of our retreats, Jeremiah six sixteen. When you come to the crossroads, stop, look. Ask where the ancient way is. Ask where the good way is. And then walk in it. And your soul will find rest. And so we're like, that. what we've been praying personally for us is that on a daily, minute by minute, hour by hour, week by week moment, that God would help us to recognize where we're at a, any crossroads, any decision point, and that we'd see the ancient good way and we'd walk in it to find life as we do it. Because we don't just want to do things for God. We want to do them with God. And I, I, yeah, and with that kind of the practical, what we showed you, the pathway of it starts with God and the individual, and then it trickles out, is that we would not stay running out in that front lane, 
but that we would constantly be retreating back to that God, us, and it continued to flow that way. Aaron, would you mind just praying over these leaders and just just sense that if you just pray over them and the efforts that they have in their cities, and then afterwards if you want to talk with any of us for the expo team, um, Jason will wrap us up after that. Yeah, yeah let's pray. God, I, I thank you just for the, the bigness of your family. God, you you are so, I know I get, I get mired down in the relationships in my life. I get, I get so focused on what's right in front of me, pastoring our church. Um, God, I, sometimes I, forgive me, I just forget like, how much bigger your family is. Your family is so big. You've given us so many brothers and sisters to run with. Lord, you've prayed that we would be united. We would be one family, one body. Father, we together um, in this little room from all over different cities, different churches, we come right now together under the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just just proclaim that we resist the, the deceptive work of the enemy to try to break us up, divide us, isolate us, put us in opposition to each other. Father, we ask would you pour out your Holy Spirit one spirit and one body. Lord, would you unite us in the name of Jesus, Amen. for the glory of your name, for the good of your kingdom, Father, would you unite us. Lord, give us wisdom to know what it looks like to, to run the game. Lord, to enter into complete covenant relationship with one another. Give us wisdom and insight. Father, I pray for each city represented in this room. God, I, we ask, we come together in the name of Jesus, we pray boldly, would you bring revival, Lord, in each city, every city, bring revival, start it amongst your people, let it flow out from us, Lord, and let our cities see and know that the name of Jesus is glorious and wonderful, and that we are one body, we are one people. Lord, just unite our hearts. Father, I, I pray, um, I thank you for the, just the question of how to pray for David and Sid, and uh, man, Lord, I love, I love my brother and my sister, and uh, I just I thank you for the hearts of this room that they want to bless them. So Lord, we pray blessing on them as they they just shoulder the things you put on them. Father, we know that the calling you've given them is from you, the the capacity you've given them is from you. And so Lord, we pray would you continue to sustain them as they seek to just leave their family, leave a church, leave a family of church planters, leave a citywide movement, God. Give them your grace upon grace upon grace. Uh, guard their marriage, Father. Guard them as mom and dad. Thank you for the three boys. Bless them as they watch their mom and dad press into you. Um, Lord, please just protect them, protect their home, and continue, Lord, to let your grace be poured out upon them. We love you, God. Thank you so much for this time. And continue to lead us as we just chase after you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give David and Sydney a hand. That's it for today's episode. Make sure to check out Winfield Bevan's ebook that we mentioned at the top of the episode by going to discipleship.org slash ebooks and look for Multiplied Disciples. Thanks for listening. Until next time.